I'm not sure what sticks out to you from the readings this Sunday. Maybe it's the devil and the temptations. Maybe it's the word temptation. Maybe it's the fact that Jesus fasted for 40 straight days. I don't know. I'm going to tell you what sticks out to me. It's a word. You ready? Therefore. Hmm? Therefore. I think it might be the word that unlocks the mystery of what it means to be a Christian. And I'll get to it. But first I want to ask you a question. Do you know your history? Not like your, not the world history, but salvation history. Where you fit into that. What you were saved from. How you were saved. Did you know that you were saved? It's a question that's very, very important. Because if we don't know our history, our story, we very quickly get lost. And we focus on other things. Mainly the world. And when we're focused on the world, the best we can do is minimize pain and maximize pleasure. Because there's nothing else to really live for in this world. Now, I've been thinking a lot about this lately. I'm not sure I'm right. I'm pretty sure I'm right. But I'm not absolutely sure I'm right. So I'm going to ask you for your input. What is God's greatest rebuke that he gives to Israel in the Old Testament? What is the thing that he constantly says to Israel that's like a source of shame for them? Any guesses? I can't hear you. You've got to raise your hand. We've been through this a thousand times. Infidelity? That's a good guess. That's not what I'm looking for. You're, you know the guess, you're trying to figure out what's in my mind right now. That's the best part. Temptation. What is that? Temptation. Temptation? Yeah. Not what I'm looking for. Worshiping false gods is a very good answer. But it's before that. Right? He says something... The reason he rebukes him and then he says, and because of this, you went after false gods. You know what I think it is? I think it's this. Two words. You forgot. You forgot. You forgot what I've done for you. You forgot that it was me that brought you out of slavery in Egypt. You forgot that this promised land that I gave to you was a gift. You forgot it all. You know what? I, I, don't, I can't remember if I told you this, but on my sabbatical, God used this rebuke with me. Because I was on sabbatical and I said, Lord, what do you want this all to be about? And I was praying and he led me to Revelation, the book of Revelation, chapter 2. The letter to the church of Ephesus. And it says this. It's like he was speaking directly to my heart. I know your works, your labor, and your endurance. And that you cannot tolerate the wicked. Moreover, you have endurance and have suffered for my name and have not grown weary. Yet, I hold this against you. You forgot the love you once had. That was like a dagger to my heart. But it happens to all of us, right? It happens to us priests. Happens to married couples, you forget. You forget the love you once had when you first were on these steps saying your vows to one another. You forgot. You forgot what your spouse has done for you. And when we forget, 
We lose our way. The greatest enemy to the Christian life is a short-term memory. We forget. And when you forget, you go after other saviors. Political saviors. Government saviors. Economic saviors. Idols. Our Jewish brothers, brothers and sisters have a tremendous understanding of the human person and how quickly they forget. How quickly we forget. And so they built remembrance right into their very rhythm of life. And that's what we hear in the first reading. Every year it was the father's task with his wife to gather the family and tell them the story of what God did. Why? So they would never forget. So what did God do? Israel were slaves for 430 years. Okay, I want to put that in perspective. We have been a country for 246 years. Slavery was part of our history. A terrible part. And think about the sin and the scandal and the shame that it caused to our country. Now think about this. Israel were slaves twice as long as we've been a country. Imagine the psyche of this people. A life of being oppressed, maltreated. Their life was, they were living tools for Pharaoh. They could be tortured and killed like that. And then one day, miraculously, they're rescued. They're liberated. As it says in the Old Testament, by mighty deeds and outstretched arm. Those words will become very important in the New Testament. And so over and over and over, year after year after year, the Jewish people recount the story of the Exodus so as to never forget. And here's the kicker, folks. They forgot. They had it built into their whole rhythm of life and they still forgot. And went after false gods. We Christians are a faith of remembering. You and I were slaves once with no hope. And we were enslaved to a tyrant infinitely worse than Pharaoh. His name is the devil. And we hear about him today. He is no myth. He's real. And he is doing everything in his power to create division between you and God. You and family. You and others. Why? Because he wants you to again have no hope. Because when you have no hope, you have no joy. And when you have no joy, you have no reason to live. Which is exactly where he wants you. Because he wants you dead. He hates you. I see so many people. I see so many young people. With no hope. No joy. Nothing to live for. And it's because they forgot. Most of them never even knew. Because nobody taught them. And yet, in the not too distant past, we had a whole generation that remembered. And ironically, we call them the great generation. We have a lot of funerals here at St. Joe's, and I have, they're running out. The great generation, there's not many left. 
But when we have funerals here, the great generation, every single time when I talk to the family, they are like, they were the greatest people we ever knew. And they had three things in common as far as I can tell. Number one, the faith was everything. Everything. And to all of us who are descended from the great generation, when I sit at their bedsides, you know what they say to me? While they're dying, you know what they say to me? With tears, all they say is, Father, when I'm gone, tell my children all I want is for them to believe. That's all they want. And when they die and you hear the stories of them, you're like, they were the great generation. And yet, few are following their lead. Few. They see greatness in them, but they won't do what they did. Faith was central. Family was everything. They didn't have much, but what they had, they were grateful for. Those are the three things that are common with the entire great generation. My grandpa, his name was Florian. He was from the great generation. He fought in World War II. And I remember my grandpa. I have this vivid, vivid memory of my grandpa when he died. He died very young in his 60s. And we were up in Nitchi, North Dakota. Anybody know where Nitchi, North Dakota is? Nitchi, North Dakota is like the most northeast you can get. You can like walk to Canada and walk to Minnesota, right? It is this tiny town of about 400. And I have this vivid memory of like the whole town coming to his funeral. And then sitting with my grandma at the burial. And after the burial, sitting right next to her as a little boy. And I remember seeing a line as far as I could see as a little boy. And one after another, they came up to her. And expressed their condolences. But most of them also had a story. Mary, that was my grandma's name. Mary, you didn't, you didn't know this. But when John lost his job, Florian gave us $15 every week so that we could buy groceries. Next one. Mary, you didn't know this, but when, when Harry was sick, Florian came over every day after work and did the things that he couldn't do. Next one. Next one. Next one. Why did they live like that? Because they remembered. They believed. It wasn't just some fluke in history that this generation lived selflessly. They went through the worst time in America. They suffered. The Great Depression, World War I, World War II. They were grateful for what they had and they knew where it came from. My grandpa was a tail gunner in World War II. He wore rosaries on each wrist and he hated the war. Hated it. Never wanted to talk about it. I remember one story he did tell me. He said when they were in a dogfight, the plane was all shot up and their pilot was an atheist. And he leaned back and he yelled. He said, Florian, I don't know what God you pray to you, but you better start praying. And he did. And he prayed and he said, get me home. And I won't forget. And they survived that battle when they never should have. And when my grandpa got home, 
He was a great devotee to St. Therese of Lisieux. And his first child that was born to him was my mother, who he named Teresa. And him and his brother bought a statue of the Sacred Heart. You can still go to the parish in Nietzsche, North Dakota and see it. They bought that statue in gratitude that God had brought them home alive. They remembered. But we have an entire nation that has forgot. And it's killing us. They can't see or remember what they've been rescued from. That they've been rescued by mighty deeds and literally outstretched arms. Therefore, there it is. I knew you were all waiting for it. Therefore, that word is everything. You see, all the Christian life is a response to what God has done for us. God has done all this for you. Therefore, live like this. Does anybody know the first commandment? In its entirety. It's the first commandment. Do you know it? Be loud. We all got to hear you. No cheating. <laughs> Lost it. At least he had the courage to stand up and try. You losers. He's a boy for crying out loud. We're growing adults. Yeah. You said, I am the Lord your God. Nope. That's not number one. Good guess, though. Good, That's, that is the first commandment. It's not in its entirety. I'm going to give it to you in entirety. Good job, though. Three kids. You should be ashamed of yourselves. <laughs> no adults. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, that place of slavery. Therefore, you will have no gods beside you. Why? Because no one loves you like I love you. No one liberates you like I liberate you. No one saves like I save. No one cares as much about you as I do. Therefore, make me first. If I know the story, the history, then my whole life is a response to what God has done for me. But if I forget, then nothing makes sense. And what we're doing here is just a bunch of rules. That's it. Lent is not about what you are going to do for God. Lent is about what God has done for you. And you and I need to remember. Maybe this week, we can begin to remember. Practical advice, two things. Read the first 14 chapters of Exodus which is the story of the dramatic liberation of Israel from Egypt. And when you got that in your head, read the passion narratives of the gospel, which took place on Passover and were the true liberation of humanity. Learn that you've been rescued, that you are loved, and your whole life is a response to that love. 
We are living in a mad world, hanging by a thread of God's mercy. This happened because too many forgot. It's time to remember before it's too late.